DJ and PK, it is time to talk NFL Draft with Andy Benoit. He covers the NFL Draft for Sports Illustrated and Bet Online. And he is joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Please visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Andy, good morning. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. So, I'm curious here. Uh, you know, covering it for Bet Online, they put a they put a number on everything. Everybody's got opinions, but they put a number on it. So, biggest surprise, biggest lock, who really won in the draft? Well, you know, one that stands out to me is is the Dallas Cowboys and the value that they got at each pick and. and C.D. Lamb, for example, you mentioned bet online. I think they, his number's 850 over under for receiving yards. I could see him, even if he's under that, which is possible given how many playmakers that they're going to have to be feeding the ball to, I could still see him being one of the most valuable rookies in this draft because his presence now allows Amari Cooper to go into the slot if they want because Lamb can play outside or inside. That's the way Cooper is, and I think Cooper's at his best when he's aligned inside. So anytime a team can get a dynamic player later in the draft than they thought, which is already what happened with Lamb, I think Dallas would have expected him to be off the board by the time they picked. Anytime you can get that and and not only have that player now available to you, but have him make your best player even more valuable – to me, that's a home run type of draft pick. So you've got Zach Moss in as uh, twenty to one to be the offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. Should uh, Moss and all the people uh, cheering for him be pumped that he went to Buffalo? Is it a perfect ma- matchup of uh, a bad weather uh, locale and a rugged running back who ought to be able to uh, be good in December? If it's snowing? Yeah that's, a, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Cause I think a lot of the comparisons or some of them that you hear about Moss is he has some similarities to Frank Gore as a runner. And, and Frank Gore obviously was in Buffalo last year, and he, he won't be this year, which is why Moss is here. And what Gore's always done so well is the, the patience between the tackles and the ability to get through small cracks and without losing his balance. And I think that's something that Moss can bring to the table theoretically. You know, we don't know for sure on any of these guys. They're all just kind of concepts as players right now. But what you project him as, he will fit Buffalo's run game in that sense. And the Bills do a lot of man-to-man blocking outside. So if he has the ability to, to press his blocks and read defenders on the move on the perimeter, he's going to be very productive for them. Now, his numbers might not be huge, though, because he's going to have to share his touches with Singletary, their running back from a year ago. But the, together, those guys, that's a really good, stylistically, that's a really good one-two punch. You speak of the Cowboys getting value. You know, they took Bradley and I later in the draft, and he's the all-time sack leader for the University of Utah. And that's a position where if you're making that many sacks for, for Utah, you're probably a good player. How much value do you think the Cowboys got in an eye? Well, uh, yeah, for fifth round, as a fifth-round pick, it could be very good value because any 
sacks are, are difference-making type of plays, and you can accumulate them in a situational role. Theoretically, and we'll have to see what he is in the NFL, but theoretically, a nigh could play 15 snaps a game in only passing situations, but those are critical snaps. Those are third down and 10 type of snaps or third and medium. So there's a chance at value there. What will be interesting to see, Dallas has been running this 4-3 straightforward scheme for several years. They're going to go to something else under Mike Nolan. What Mike Nolan, last season, their new defensive coordinator, what he did last time we saw him coordinating a defense, which is several years ago now, he's more into blitzing. And when you blitz, it, it has a different demand on some of your athletes, and you're not necessarily looking for just pure edge benders, but overall athletes as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Anai is used in that scheme. So you talk about the Cowboys getting value. I've read some really complimentary reviews of the Colts draft. They used Julian Blackman part of that, but a lot of people think the Colts hit on multiple picks. And I, I would be one of those people. With offense, they got the big X receiver that they want in Michael Pittman. They have a, a, the second pick in, the, in their second round, 41st overall. I think Jonathan Taylor's a guy a lot of people felt was the best pure runner in this draft. He's not the most dimensional receiving back, but the Colts don't need that. They have other backs that fill that role already. So a big X receiver, a sustaining dynamic first and second down runner. And then I like the Blackman pick for the reason that Indianapolis puts three safeties on the field quite often with regularity. And in the past years, they've done it more and more as the season has progressed. So Blackman has a chance to really develop over the course of his rookie year. And it'll be interesting to see where they see him and where they line him up because the Colts will play some two deep safety stuff at times. It's not just one deep safety all the time. So there's some options there of how you use guys. But safety is a position for them. You really can't go wrong because they use so many of them. Wondering what you think of the Dolphins. They draft three offensive linemen and obviously Tua, and I don't know if Tua's going to sit a year, but let these offensive linemen, including Austin Jackson, the kid from USC, maybe develop. And are you thinking they're building something that is going to go in the right direction? Yes, I do think they're going in the right direction. I was really impressed with them last year. I watched all their snaps on film, and I never once thought they were tanking like they were accused of. And in the second half of the season, it really reflected. They, they won a lot more games than a lot of teams would, given the level of talent that they had there. So that coaching staff did a great job of getting the most out of its guys. And now here they are bringing in the guys that they want, and they're overhauling a lot of the roster. And this is really phase one. Phase one's tearing it down, which is last year. Phase two would be building it from the ground up. And they got a couple phases to go. But they made a lot of progress. Offensive tackle, they needed two of them coming into this draft. You mentioned Jackson. He'll probably be their left tackle. Robert Hunt, who they got early in the second round, has a chance to be their right tackle. Uh, Tua will be the interesting one. I would imagine he gets on the field. Really, only two or three guys in the last 15 years have truly sat out and learned from the bench as rookies. And Pat Mahomes is one of them. Aaron Rodgers is one of them. Those guys were supremely talented, and they joined very stable organizations with teams that were coming off of a playoff win or or at least a playoff appearance. So the point is NFL QBs don't sit and develop 
from the bench anymore. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, who will probably be the week one starter, every year he's going to throw half a dozen interceptions that just boggle your mind. And I bet he'd even admit that and tell you that. Those kind of interceptions are exactly the kind of plays that get veteran QBs benched when there's a rookie behind them. 38 wins for the NFC West. I mean, the Cardinals have some work to do with a young quarterback. Everybody else had a winning record. Uh, Burgess goes to the Rams. With the quarterbacks in that division, how much pressure is there on all the defenses? And how much pressure is there on guys like Burgess to be good right away? Because everybody needs help. Everybody needs depth. You know you're facing six games against quality quarterbacks just inside your division. Yeah, absolutely, and there's a lot of pressure on Burgess because the Rams' new scheme, their new coordinator, Brandon Staley, his system it puts a really big emphasis and a really big burden on linebackers. It's a, it's a complex scheme. Linebackers is an important position there, and the Rams, quite frankly, don't have any quality linebackers on the roster, so they're already not going to be able to do everything they, that Staley's going to want to do in his first year here. Now, the Rams have other strengths, but – what Burgess gives them is the ability to play one of their safeties at linebackers. So at least they that offsets, they have a weakness at linebacker. Okay, well, we'll just go to more safeties, put three safeties out there, which is what the Rams have done the last few years. And uh, Taylor Rapp, their pick last year, who I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with, the guy from Washington, he was a phenomenal passing down linebacker late in the season for them. John Johnson, their other safety, is better down in the box. So for those guys to play there, you need a free safety, a center fielder who you really trust. And I would imagine that's what, you know, we don't know for sure. We don't know what any of these guys will be until they get to the NFL and actually play games and get some reps. But I would imagine the Rams anticipate Burgess being their center fielder for them. And given that they don't have a lot of depth on defense, I bet Burgess is in the lineup in week one. We're joined by Andy Benoit. He covers the NFL Draft for Sports Illustrated and Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online is throwing out all these over/under numbers on Joe Joe Burrow. How many yards is he going to throw for? How many touchdowns is he going to throw for? It's the Bengals. Is he going to have enough around him? Are they going to be good enough? Or is this the curse of being number one? You got to go to a bad team. Well, that, that is the curse. Yes, certainly you're going to go to a team that was, was bad the year before. I think the Bengals have a chance to, to really take a huge step forward with their offense because what they didn't have last year was a healthy A.J. Green, and maybe they won't have that this year. A.J. Green's old, older, and he's been out of the lineup for three-fourths of the game the last couple of years. But let's say he's in there, or let's say T. Higgins, who they drafted to probably replace Green, he'll be in there. Either way, they have a more dimensional and a more talented receiving core than a year ago. And then their offensive line, when they put in left tackle Cordy Glenn late in the year, and Glenn had not been available for a variety of reasons, but when he got in there the last three or four games, I believe it was, that offensive line, which had absolutely killed them all season long, there was a domino effect, and there was a real stabilizing force there. Glenn's off the roster now, but Jonah Williams, their first-round pick of a year ago, he missed all of last season with an injury. He's healthy now, 100% healthy. So I bet they feel that if we have a left tackle in there and we think it's Jonah Williams will be that guy, everybody along the O-line will get better. And those guys got better over the course of last season already. So it's not a great receiving core. It's not a great offensive line yet. 
but they're much better units than they were last season. So Burrow is not as in a tough a predicament as Andy Dalton was a year ago with, with this offense. So with Tua, you talk about how today's quarterbacks get on the field early. What do you think is going to happen with Jordan Love? I think Jordan Love is going to sit for a little while. I, I, I can't. That one surprised me, if I'm being honest. And I'm sure the Packers have a plan, and it, it looks like they're taking the long view on this thing. They drafted some other guys who will probably not play a whole lot in this upcoming season. I, I mean, I, I didn't see it coming, so it never occurred to me that Green Bay would have a guy behind Rodgers that would even be talking about when, he, when is he going to play. I don't think it'll be a possibility at all in 2020 as long as Rodgers is healthy. I wouldn't count on it for 2021, but it'll be interesting to see. That, to me, that's, that's instantly the most fascinating story now entering this upcoming season. Well, the Tom Brady-Tampa Bay story is pretty fascinating. How many games are they going to win? Are they the favorites? Are, are the Saints? What do you think? The, the Saints, I think, are the most talented team and the most complete roster top to bottom in the NFC this year. And let's remember the Falcons last year went 6-2 and two in the second half of the season, and they, they outplayed the Saints uh, for much of the time when they faced them. So, the Bucks, yeah, they're a lot better, and I'm sure they believe they're Super Bowl contenders, and then they should. Their defense is, is young but improving. Brady is still at a high level. They've added guys around them. That's a really good – that division this year has a chance to be similar probably to what the NFC West was last year. Andy Benoit covers the NFL draft for Sports Illustrated and Bet Online. Andy, thanks for coming on this morning. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys.